Jillian. And I'm Pierre, and you're listening to Breaking Through Careers, the podcast that gets your career questions answered. Each episode, we speak to an ordinary person from a well-known or not so well-known profession so that we can find out what they do on a day-to-day basis and what they did in order to get there. What do you most like what about you your job? What do you actually do day-to-day? What advice would you give someone? What do you find most challenging about your job? How do you balance your family and Tell us and something your that you're career. really good Tell at. us something you're really bad at. How much do you get paid? So today we're asking, what exactly is a data analyst and what do they actually do? I'm joined by my co-host, Pierre. Hey, Pierre, how are you? Hey, Julian, how are you doing? It's been one of those days, you know, when, when everything that can go wrong goes wrong. I'm still traumatized from seeing the blue screen of death on my computer this morning. I'm just gathering myself. Whenever that bad incident happened, there's something good happened to it. So hopefully this interview is one of them and hopefully we can get some understanding of our guest today. Exactly. So what are you most looking forward to finding out from Craig today? Honestly, today I'm literally just, I'm going to sit down at the back of the class as a student and just learn (laughs) about his journey because I honestly can put my hands up and say I know nothing about data analysis, don't know what they actually do and how they actually impact my life in a day-to-day basis. I'm sure they do, but I'm not quite sure. So I want to find that out. Yeah, you and many others, I reckon. What about you? I would like to know, again, if you need to be super good at maths, I'd like Mm -hmm. to know, you know, how long the working hours are. I'd like to know what the difference is between a data analyst and a data scientist. Fair enough. So this is going to be a good teaching session for us. Call him Mr. B. It's- Mr. B. Okay, what comes to mind when you hear the words data analyst or data analysis? They live down in the basement. <laughs> Honestly, that's because they're just these like super nerdy guy who just in the basement, just <laughs> analyzing everything. Just, I don't know. Is that, is it? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Is he a super nerd? I don't know. Like, I mean, it's not a bad thing, but. (laughs) I can confirm that Craig is a bit of a nerd, but I can also confirm that he does not live in a basement. So we actually met in Florida when we were doing this internship through this really incredible organization called the Saltire Foundation. Mm. And sadly, they did not provide us with a basement, but Craig did do data analysis. So today I'm excited to welcome one of my good friends, Craig. He's a data analyst. Craig is going to be telling us about data handling, some of the terminology used within the industry itself, and whether you need to go to university to become a data analyst. Craig, welcome. Hello. Thank you for coming. How are you? I am great. Thank you very much. Are you sure? I'm really not actually. I'm. I'm. I really. I'm not. I'm injured from doing manual labour. I uh, have the world's worst beard from lockdown, and uh, yeah, that's me. So our first section is the quick fire round, where we just try to get to know you a little better. So we'll ask a few random questions, and all you need to do is answer them as quickly as possible with the first answer that comes into your mind. Morning or night owl? Night owl. Did you attend a government school or a private school? Government. If you could have any food right now, what would it be? KFC, everything. <laughs> Favourite word and why? Coffee, because I really want one right now. <laughs> Introvert or extrovert? 
uh, can I be an extroverted introvert? <laughs> Name one thing on your bucket list. Safe for podcast. Um, <laughs> travel to Asia, which might take a little while now, but that's something I want to do. Tell us one thing that you're really bad at. Running. Running. I look ridiculous and I injure myself every time. I concur. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that I look ridiculous while running. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's just a fact. <laughs> All right, this next section is just going to be about you. Where are you from and what city do you live in? I'm from a tiny, tiny place called Wilsontown, which is in central Scotland. I think it's got a population of about 140 people. Tops. Tops, like I might be overestimating there. And I currently live in Edinburgh now, so the capital of Scotland. So why did you decide to come on this podcast? Basically, it's a case of uh, you explained what it was, you know, it's to help people get into careers, maybe ideas that they didn't know about, and how would you do it? And it sounds like a really good thing. And at my current job, you know, we're mentoring grads, we're managing graduates, you know, we're trying to help people, like new joiners as well. So to actually be able to reach out a bit more to people who have never done it before would be a great thing. Tell me exactly what kind of organisation you work for and sum up what a data analyst does in a sentence or two. So I work for a consultancy. The idea behind that is we go to a variety of different companies and help them with short-term projects, sometimes long-term projects. But the idea is it's something they would maybe not want to have an entire workforce for, a permanent workforce for. They would maybe just want temporary staff in. So we go in to build something or work on something or deliver something and then we leave again and then go somewhere else. My role as a data analyst, probably the best way to describe it is problem solving. We go in, we have an issue, we need to figure out the quickest way to deal with it. Or it's sometimes they just go, what would happen if we did this? And we have to figure out the answer to that. Oh, wow. What projects might you work on and what kind of problems are you solving for organisations? Data exists everywhere right now. You phone up Vodafone and they've got nine pages of data on you, you know, your transaction data and banks, that kind of thing. Yeah, not concerning at all. Yeah. I mean, everybody's phone calls are recorded, so that's great. But basically, what I'd say a data analyst does is tries to find insight from it. If we use a phone company, for instance, right, if they have a certain segment of the population phoning five times a week, that probably means that there's something wrong with them. And it's identifying who they are, you know, can we offer a better product? Can we do things? I think a lot of the time it's actually just, it's helping the business. But the way they're doing it is to help the customer. That's what I found anyway. And for problem solving, sometimes mistakes are made is the best way to describe it. Sometimes a mistake has been made in the past. They want to find out how many people did it affect? How did it happen? How do we stop it from happening? Do we need to help the customer now because of it? So that's primarily what I've been working on for the last two years. Did you know what you want to be when you were at school? Absolutely not. I didn't even know what I wanted to be about six weeks into this job. So <laughs> it's one of those weird ones where I'm not saying I fell into it, but it just played to my strengths. Like I think from the ages of 12 to 15, I wanted to be a doctor. Then I wanted to do something to do with biology, and then I was completely disgusted by biology. <laughs> Turns out people are horrible. And uh, then I was always good at maths, so I started doing more maths-based things. And then one of the things that I think I consider myself quite good at is problem solving. So 
once I started looking into what an analyst does, because like when I started my job, I didn't even know I was going to be a data analyst because there was two career options. It was business analyst or data analyst. And it, it was the person at HR actually told me, oh, you do all the same courses as a data analyst, as a business analyst, but you also do a few extra ones. And that was the reason I chose data analyst, just because I'd had the choice to switch between the two. What are those extra courses exactly? It's learning how to perform data analysis. So there's <laughs> programming languages. There's a, one's called SQL, Structured Query Language, you know, for looking at data. What I would say is a lot of the time we take the data and make a presentation to explain how it works, you know, that kind of thing. And then a business analyst would take that presentation, maybe look at it, see how it should be implemented into the world. Uh, how do we take what we've learned here and apply it? Uh, document process, tell people about it. Whereas the data analyst is the one that has to find the insight in the first place. Like you can look at data and find nothing. Oh, it's completely random what's happened here. We can't really help you. But, you know, sometimes there is a question. Would offering this product help the customer more? The answer is yes or no. Uh, so would you say um, your skills of uh, problem solving have helped you to become successful as a data analysis? Yeah, I'd say that's the biggest thing. The things that we do in data is like we use programming, some sort of programming language, SQL, SAS, R, that kind of thing. I didn't know SAS or SQL or anything when I joined the company. It was effectively how to learn to solve a problem. The people that I was with, a lot of them didn't have any kind of like statistics or computer science background or anything. Mostly it was just people doing their own thing. Some of them had science degrees, some of them had biology degrees. I think one person I know had a history degree. And yeah, they just all had the same thing. What would be some of the resources help help you along your journey in terms of family, friends, or any other sort of resource that they use along the way? So basically, the family have been a great help. They've supported me when I wanted to do stuff, even if they didn't understand what it was I was doing. They were always really helpful. To be honest, before I started here, none of my friends had actually gotten into this kind of business. So they weren't so much... Actually, I suppose Gillian, yourself, and... Uh, you know, the people we met through the Saltire program are probably the biggest ones that were a help for this. Shout out to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, that's actually what got me probably more into this job than I'd realized because I went I went over to Florida as a finance analyst, which I'd been told was looking at spreadsheets and stuff. But my boss at the time, Ryan Dunlop, he had different ideas. He wanted us to get into data analysis, data science, that kind of thing. He wanted us to actually build models and work and stuff so I went over and did a job that I probably wasn't expecting but it turns out I thoroughly enjoyed kind of looked into it so I'm actually loving our teaching and I'm going to bring some questions forward so you touched on programming languages and programming software I heard a lot of like letters and acronyms and SQL here and an R there <laughs> please can you a explain the difference between a programming language and a, a data software and b can you maybe just tell us a little bit about both yeah, sure. So, well, SQL, if I give you an example, structured query language is probably the base of a lot of data analyst work. Now, there might be like little offshoots, you know, people use R now, people use Python, people use SAS, but pretty much SQL was one of the first and easiest to use. So what that's doing is if you think of data as like an Excel sheet, but millions and millions and millions of rows and about 50 columns, then what happens is it just allows you to quickly look through the data. 
So say I only need two columns and I want to find what the aggregates are, something like that. Rather than clicking through things that would take ages, you just go, I'd like the aggregate of that. Or I want to look at if I join this data set to another data set, what does it give me? You know, can I find this, 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 and this information? And it's a very quick way of looking through information. How would you explain data to somebody who is not a data analysis? Because all we people just see is just graphs and numbers and everything. How do you simplify that and explain to somebody in a more simple term? That's a good question. If you think of, if I had a list of names, Mm. that's data. So if I had the column header saying names, and then it had my name, Craig, Jillian, Pierre, right? That, That is data. Then if we added another part that said age, right, then it was our age attached to it as well. That's more data, and then you could have it, and it's just building out from there. Mm. So you start with a very simple, you, you can start with one data point, which is just one piece of information, Craig. Mm. And then you could turn it into a column of data, which would be other people's names. Then you can add more columns to it. It's it's a way of storing information, basically, I would say data. Right. Now, don't get me wrong, it's very rarely in a good position, which a lot of the job is actually making it in a position that you can use it. But yeah, that's pretty much the most basic way I could think of explaining it. Thank you, Mr. B. I say that because we earlier established that this was mostly going to be a teaching for Pierre and I. Are we good students? Oh, great. Absolutely brilliant. We're listening. That's the matter. You're, you're, st- you're, st- you're, st- you're still laughing, you know, that's always a good part. Yeah. It's like, ha, 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 I definitely know what this means. In this third section, we're going to delve a little deeper into your current role. Briefly, can you tell us what your route was from the age of about 16 to where you are now career-wise? Sure. So 16 Scotland meant I'd started doing my hires. I would have finished my standard grade at the time, which was just showing my age right there. But we moved on to hires, and then from there, it would be university. Now, that was for me. That was for me. There was actually not that many in my year that went to university. But, you know, it was it was something I wanted to do. So I got my degree. And then from there, when I was at University of Strathclyde, they recommended I go to something called the Saltire Program, which is where I went on my internship and met you. <laughs> so it was basically a way of taking what we'd learned and applying it to real world. It's all very well and good being in a classroom five days a week, but they wanted us to actually be good at getting a job. <laughs> you know, they wanted us to actually be career orientated. From there, I sort of got the idea of what I wanted to do. And during my final year, I started applying to jobs. So there was lots of grad programs. There was entry-level jobs, you know, that kind of thing. It was, and fortunately, I got the first one I applied for. So okay, that was me. Is it necessary for individuals who want to become a data analysis to go to university or is there some program that can be complete for individuals to get to the top? Yeah, I kept saying graduates, but it's no longer graduates or anything. I know one of the companies I work for, they don't need it as a requirement. You can actually go from about the age of 16. You can start as an apprentice data analyst. You can start as an apprentice business analyst. And what happens is, because I think the thing that people think to be a data analyst you have to be doing a certain type of course at university, apply, and then you become a graduate. I was the kind of person who broke computers at university. I was not good with computers. As I said before, someone I know that's now a data analyst did a degree in history. Mm. I would say you don't need a degree to do it. I know for a fact you don't need a degree to do it because a lot of places 
don't require you to need the degree anymore. Yeah. All you need to be able to do is prove that you can problem solve. Because like once you know the techniques, you can learn how to program, you can learn how to apply rigorous methods to things. It's just a desire to actually want to do it is what people are looking for now. So you might not need university, but are there any particular qualifications that you needed to gain along the way or are useful to gain along the way? So no, uh, is the gist of it. You don't have to have qualifications. Now, they will always help. It's experience. So a desire to actually do it will get you through the door. And to progress at the job, it's experience and different things. So because of how fast data analytics, data science, that kind of thing has moved, when I first started, platforms that are now being used were never used and I only started four years ago like it's not like I've been doing this for a decade or anything and everything's changed like when I came in I came in on a particular platform and I have used that maybe five times like I came in as a specific type of analyst and I've never used it because people people have stopped using that kind of platform they're all moving on to things like Python and R which are seen as more modular and easier to use and you can use it in a lot more different situations and they offer courses on how to do it but a lot of the time you'd see people doing a course on python but they've got no real world application of it and then you've got someone who's never used python well who's never been qualified in it before and yet they're effectively an expert on it because they were there at the start and you mentioned that you work for a consultancy what other organizations hire data analysts uh, effectively everybody does Retailers hire data analysts, banks hire data analysts, phone companies hire data analysts, insurance companies, everybody these days, everyone's hiring, basically. it's. I think it was voted the fastest growing job the last two years in a row. Oh, wow. Wow. Yeah. How easily are the data analysis skills transferable? So there's there's a lot you could do. Like I know of training programs like i think it's probably okay to mention code clan for instance is a six-week program you can sign up for it cost money um they teach you the fundamentals and they will put you through having said that like my intake when i joined my first company there was a 64 year old woman who was retraining like i think i so i came in at what 26 and i was one of the youngest ones in my intake because it's a fast-growing job there's a there's a higher demand than what like new people out in the field can do. So a lot of people are switching over to it. You've got a lot of business analysts who are wanting to become data analysts. You've got data analysts who to become business man- analysts or project managers and stuff. So, you know, there is a lot of cross connection. Could you please talk through your average day? Yeah, sure. So a lot of the places I've been lucky enough to work at are flexible working hours. So as long as you do your seven and a half hours, eight hours a day. They're okay when you start at eight, finishing at four, or half eight, half four, nine. What I do is I'm normally logged in for just before nine o'clock. The first thing we normally do is just check to see if anything from the day before has happened. So checking emails, you know, maybe after I logged off, someone sent an email asking for something or looking for more clarification. Then about half nine, 10 o'clock, we have our daily meeting. Once we've got everything where we go over what needs to be done for the day, so the project I'm working on right now actually has some very tight deadlines. So everybody, we've got a team of probably about eight of us. We're all trying to, you know, just make sure we're not duplicating work. We're covered for everything that needs to be delivered by the end of the day. I do something, so I'll build something or a process or something like that. I'll then send it away for someone else to check. And then, you know, once that's done, we then send it out to the people who requested it or 
it gets added to the list of things that we need for something that needs to be completed by the end of the week. 10 o'clock's where we organise all of that. Then it's actually just getting to work. For the next two and a half hours, probably, we're just working away, dealing with every curveball, because there's always a curveball thrown at us for the next two hours, getting sidetracked with something else. What might be one of those curveballs? Uh, someone asking for a random piece of analysis, but it turns out that it needs to be done immediately. Or it's, say, someone's querying something that, that's happened in the past. It's like, oh, why did this come out with this answer? You know, shouldn't it have came out with this answer? We've Thank done you. some testing and we've found this. Then lunchtime, all the while drinking copious amounts of coffee. Like, in fact, probably <laughs> too much. But I think that's a me thing more than a job thing. You'd be surprised. After lunch, not I normally take what half hour break or something. Especially now with a lockdown, just to go out a walk, you know, that kind of thing. But uh, after that, it's back to the grind. See if there's anything else that needs to be done, if there's any meetings that have to be done. Because obviously we work in the data side, but there's people on the business side, the project management side, that kind of thing that we interact with on a day-to-day basis. Like they might be looking at something, you know, and if there's something that we can help them with a lot quicker, it might be worth it us spending the hour to do it rather than them spending the five days to do it project planning making sure we're still hitting our deadlines is there anything that could go wrong and if it does what would be the knock-on effect that kind of thing and then about yeah let's say five half past five that'll be time to finish unless the deadlines are very very tight in which case it's probably a little bit later but that'll happen in any job is it fair to say then that you typically work in offices and what i know pierre wants to know is whether or not you live in a basement (laughs) Uh, well it's a loft right now it's an attic right now Mainly because we're in front of your computer, it's actually very flexible. Before all this, I would be in the office actually five days a week just because I actually, I personally dislike working from home. So I would be at either the clients or my base location or sometimes at a satellite site. The client I work for has a satellite site on Princess Street. So I quite enjoyed going there because it meant I got quite a good lunch or I'd be quite close to seeing people after work. You touched on the flexible hours a couple of times. Thoughts on what it's like to do your role whilst raising a family? Is it possible? I think for this kind of work, especially as a consultant, it's completely dependent on the client you're with. But in my experience, it's doable. It is entirely doable. I've known people over the last few years who have started families. Companies give them as much space as possible. You know, they're not getting overloaded with work. What? do you really like and what do you dislike about your job and what are some of the challenges that you face? I really like it because there's there's an answer. Uh, as I said, I think one of the things that drew me to it was just I quite enjoy problem solving. If someone's coming to you with a question, it's a problem that needs to get solved. Can I come back with an answer? And I thoroughly enjoy that part of my work. You know, just getting to work on something and having an output at the end, even if the output is basically, no, there's nothing to say about this. You know, you've got an answer. <laughs> dislikes yeah i think it just depends on the project you're on what i would say is i think some people in this kind of business tend to think the data is the answer to everything so they might just go oh we need this and because they have no knowledge of when like what it is they might require it by the end of the day when in reality if you actually want a good piece of work it's three days work there's just a lack of understanding in some parts about what it is we do so rather than saying, oh, go, can you deliver this by the end of the day? Just say, actually, if we were to ask for this, how long would it take to deliver? Mm. And then we could say, oh, it'll take two and a half days, three days or something like that, rather than, yeah, we need this and we need this now. And the biggest challenge or challenges that you face? Convincing those people. <laughs> yeah. Back to our virtual classroom. 
continuing with our questions for Professor B, what is the difference between a data analyst and a data scientist? <laughs> I think it's one of those questions you should probably ask a data scientist. Um, <laughs> they, they will have many more answers than I would. I would effectively say that the difference is an analyst looks at the data they have and goes, what can I figure out from this information? Okay. A data scientist will look at it and go, how do I use this to predict things? Okay. So if I was to use an example, if I was to look at bank data, right? If I was to look at financial data, I would say this is your most profitable area. This is the thing you can do. This is the this is what I found from looking at the data. Whereas a data scientist could take that and go, well, I can now predict what your finances will be in 10 years time. So they're cooler than you is what you're saying. <laughs> No one's cooler than me. <laughs> nah, uh, yeah, yeah, probably, actually. Probably, in all fairness. Um, I mean, if you ask them, they'd almost definitely... I know a lot of data scientists, I know a lot of data analysts, and the thing is, what I've actually found in my business is a lot of data analysts seem to be on data science projects, and a lot of data scientists seem to be doing a lot of data analytics projects. They build models, whereas we gather insight. When you are assigned a task to analyze, what are some of the processes that you take and what are the possible problems that you can encounter? I suppose the first thing that someone would ask, if there was a day asking, oh, we want to look at what this would do for the business. We ask for some things like uh, key indicators. What are your key performance metrics? What is it you're actually looking at? Because someone said to me, we want to see how well we do in this. Doesn't help. How well do you do in it compared to what? Like, what are you actually looking at? So I suppose the best way to say is the first thing we do is actually try to pin down requirements completely. So we'll try and get a very, very good idea of what the person is asking for. What do they want to see it against? Then what happens is we'll normally go away and scope it for a little while. So if I'm working by myself, I go away, look at the problem, figure out where would I get this data from? What would I do to it? Do I need to do it? How would I output it? And then maybe probably come back with a few other questions about requirements. Maybe things I didn't think about the first time, maybe things I didn't notice from the initial request. Once we get the requirements and we've scoped it out, we went back for a little bit more. We normally give timelines, oh, I think we can do this. We do investigations. Then it's all about reporting. We have lots of different software for that. Maybe people know about it, Tableau, Excel, graphs. Do we do it in a graph? Do we do it as a document? You know, it's how you represent the data as well and that's actually i think one of the bigger parts that people don't realize it's not so much just looking at data oh i'm going to build this i'm going to build that it's how do you explain it to someone who isn't a data analyst mm. what is the most difficult database problem that you face today and how did you deal with it oh it, i think the easiest way to explain it is data is not in a good place like see if you think of something called raw data Right, this is where something called a data engineer comes in. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, no, there's a third one. There, yeah, no one ever gives any credit to the data engineers. They're the ones that make everything work. Yeah, we'll love that. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Shout out to the data. Patrick Marshall, you're a hero. If you use a phone call, mm. that's data, right? So you've got a recorded conversation. Now, think about our conversation right now. If someone was to hear this and try and structure it, how would you do that? How would you find the subject? How would you find that? It's taking raw data and structuring it in such a way that it can work. Wow. Now, don't get me wrong. That's that's actually that's actually what a lot of data scientists do as well. There's a lot of overlap between all three sections. So a lot of data scientists are taking information like 
text, text analysis. So they're actually structuring sentences. They're structuring conversations into such a way that they can take data points from it. Now, what a data engineer does is effectively take raw data and structure it in a way that it can be transformed and loaded and insights can be taken from it, models can be built from it, that kind of thing. Wow, that's actually quite impressive to be out of the year. Yeah, so data quality, I would say, is the biggest issue that we come across. Yeah, more Quality like- data varies wildly. Even looking at something like a customer form. Oh, this customer applied for this product. You would expect it to be filled out in a completely accurate way. But we found that where names aren't the same, names don't match, the address uses weird characters, whoever entered the data in the first place has made a mistake, that kind of thing. Well, this is the fun question, I guess, to some people. What would you said are the top and maybe the, the average earners? Yeah, no, that's fine. I actually have them written down because I had to convert them to US dollars for this. So, yeah. <laughs> when I first started, the base salary seemed to start at about 25,000 Great British Pounds which in US dollars is about $31,000 per year. Now, in the four years, there has been a massive leap. It's now about 30000 and up for entry level, which is about, what, $40,000. For the medium now, because I work for a consultancy, it's a little bit different. So to give you an idea, we charge per day, me going out to another company. Mm-hmm. So our range is actually really dependent on how much we're charging out for. But what I've tended to find is for these kind of things, it goes up to about roughly from forty to 65000 in the medium term. Mm. It's very much a you get out what you put in. So some people are very comfortable just sit, sitting there working as part of a team, doing their job nine till five, and that'll be them. Then you get the people who want to push ahead, they want to manage teams, they want to manage people. Who are willing to stay in the basement. <laughs> yeah, exactly. People who are willing to live in the loft and grow a horrible beard just to get this <laughs> job done. Uh <laughs> They they move they they move in the you know the forty thousand to sixty five thousand range I would imagine pounds pounds yes so you're looking at about eighty thousand dollars is the top end for the middle mm. and effectively after that I actually haven't seen a cap because every time I keep thinking that 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 will be what it is there are people who prove me wrong the sky is the limit we're quite curious to get an understanding of the structure and the hierarchy to get to the top. Yeah, I'd say it's actually completely dependent on the company you work for. Fair. Like, I've been in a really lucky position where I actually was managing people a lot earlier than I maybe would have been in another company. There's been other companies where they have a very rigid structure, you know, um, they you have to have done three years at this to be able to do this, you know, you have to have done this to do this. And then it's there is a slow progression path. And then there's other companies that are sitting there like, we don't care about time served, we don't care about experience, we care about what we think your unique attributes are. So I know another company, for instance, that'll take you in two different career paths. Uh, one is technical-based. If they think, if you're not really a people person, you want to continue to be just working jobs, they'll turn you into a technical expert. So you'd never be leading a team, but you would probably be, become a subject matter expert in something. Whereas you can then move into the other side, which is a people manager. So rather than being a technical expert, you become a people expert, and then you'll be managing teams of 30, 40 people, and they just keep moving you up. What do you wish you would have known before starting your first job? That I didn't have to have a particular type of degree to do a particular type of job. Right, that's important. Yeah, or that you didn't even need a degree. <laughs> you didn't even need a degree for it. Yes. <laughs> but then you wouldn't have met me, Craig, so it was all worth yeah, it. Yeah, sure. <laughs> Julian, do you need a degree for your, to, to, to where you are now? Oh, yeah. Julian doesn't talk to people unless they have degrees. That's, that's, that's... <laughs> Pins the paper to me. 
Just an undergraduate, come on. (laughs) No, I'm joking. So I work in investment management. And while it's fair to say it's commonplace to have a degree, we do have some people who've come in on our investment 2020 scheme. So it's an apprenticeship. And one has gone on to become an analyst. So it does happen. I think it's newer for the industry, but it's starting to happen. Are we ready for my favorite section? Okay, so this is one of my favorites. This is myth busting. Essentially, in this Craig, in this Craig, in this section, Craig, <laughs> we are trying to <laughs> tackle some of the stereotypes associated with your industry. Yeah, I was going to say, let's not try and bust the myth of Craig, right? It's 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 a carefully elaborated lie that will collapse at any moment. <laughs> House of Cards. <laughs> yeah, it really is. It really is. Let's 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 <laughs> swiftly pass that one. <laughs> okay question number one data analysts are nerds who operate in the basements more of a myth or more of a fact (laughs) um some of the biggest jocks i know are data analysts you know play rugby at the weekends go out ride their motorcycles to work that kind of thing yeah no absolute myth it's probably true i just can't (laughs) accept it (laughs) okay data analysis is boring more myth or fact I think it depends on the mindset. So I would say it is a myth. If you like problems, it doesn't even need to be math problems or anything like that. If you just like dealing with sorting problems, putting things in a nice box, that's it's the kind of job that you can do great. You need to be excellent at maths to be a data analyst. More of a myth or more of a fact? Myth. Myth. Think about it. Like We have calculators. You don't need to be good at math. <laughs> no, but you did study maths at uni I did, I did. And what I've realised is how little, I'd say it's more statistics, but how little actual math I use in my job. It's uh, anything that requires a calculation math-wise, we've got things for that. To be fair, I can vouch for that because as an engineer, kind of math you need is probably year 10 if you okay at math and that's all you kind of need. The rest is just about figuring out the actual problem. Yeah. And like the thing is, when you're using it for problem solving, the techniques are actually really easy to learn. Mm. Well, not not really easy if you know what I mean, but the techniques that as soon as you've got a real world application to it, yeah. are actually I, I find very simple to solve. To give yeah. you the idea, people who haven't done maths and people who have done maths require the same amount of training in the job. Data analysis are all white male. More of a myth or more of a fact? I, I think if you had to look at it overall, the answer is probably yes, it is. But well, since I've been in it, uh, every one of my bosses has been a woman, <laughs> ironically, except one. Every one of my bosses, every one of my bosses in client projects have been a woman. I think it's probably closer to true at the moment, but since I've joined, it's been moving further and further to myth as it's went along. Mm. Data analysts selectively pick and manipulate data to suit their own objectives. More of a myth or more of a fact? Bad data analysts do that. We are not there to dictate the answer. We are there to find our answer. If the answer's bad, it's bad. If the answer's good, it's good. If the answer's nothing, then the answer's nothing. Like, I think one of the biggest things that you see a lot of the time is non-data people wanting the data to say something. So they will cut and mix it up until it gets the right answer. I don't think you'd find a data analyst doing that. They'll just look at, they'll give you the answer. And then what, what people choose to do with it afterwards is their choice. Our final section is called Looking Forward, where we give you a chance to address our audience. What kind of work experience should our listeners try to get before entering the industry? 
I would be asking people, look at what the trends are. So what kind of platforms are people using? What are they talking about? There are so many free resources, so many cheap resources. Take a puzzle. You'll see this online all the time where you take one piece of data and you have to turn it into something cool. Like I've seen people turn Fitbits that when you walk 10 miles, they save £5 into your pocket money account. It's uh, There's a lot of different resources online. Someone wants to learn SQL. There's SQL Zoo, which is just a free website that takes you from the very start to the most advanced stuff that you can think of. There's Python courses online that you can take for free. Look at what you want to do. Like, see what takes an interest. Look at problems that people have online, Bora and stuff. You'll see lots of data questions up there. See if you can figure out an answer to it. Would you want to figure out an answer to it? Is it something that interests you? That's before entering the workforce. The other thing is people love interns. They love that kind of thing. If you want to do it as an initial step, just call companies up. Use initiative, indeed. <laughs> what else do you want our listeners to get away from this today? Any final piece of advice? Yeah, I suppose I actually did say it earlier. It is very much the kind of job that you get out when you put in. I've yet to see someone want to do very well and they put in the work for it and it doesn't result in something. And I've also seen people who are very comfortable in the role that they have. Absolutely nothing wrong with finding a role that you're very good at and you don't want to move on from it. But what I've found is people who do want to move up or advance or get more out of a job, they can. Absolutely, you get out when you put in. doesn't matter what your background is, doesn't matter where your talents lie even if you want to advance just put in a lot and how about someone who's established and they're coming from a different profession and they'd like to move into data analysis do you have any particular advice for them i said before there's a lot of retraining courses of that you could do biggest thing you could probably do is just demonstrate what about you with the experience you have makes you good for it even if it's not i've never touched data in my life well, actually, if you give me a problem, I'm very good at taking that problem, finding an answer, and explaining it back to you. When I started, my CV was all working at a sports center. It's like, well, how do you do that? It's like, well, I managed 10 people, you know, I ran the training there. We organized rotas. It's just applying what you've done. It's the same for any job, really, though. It's just showing what you've done and how it can work. I don't know a single company that doesn't have their own internal training for these kind of things. Even two places that work on exactly the same platform, they're different companies, they'll use it for different things. So they all have their own internal training about how to work it. Never think that you have to know everything going into the job because you're going into a job. You don't need to know how to code in Python to get a job as a data analyst because they'll probably teach you. Not to say it wouldn't help. Like Obviously, they'll take someone, that they're not going to turn around and go, well, we would train you so we don't want you because you already know how to do it. If you want to do it, you know, by all means. But there's a very good chance that they'll have their own internal training anyway. So just ask them. And any final words of wisdom? I barely have wisdom as it is, so I don't know what I could give out. <laughs> Again, <laughs> I can confirm. Uh, thank you very much for having us today, Greg. <laughs> ah, no problem. It's actually been absolutely delightful. It meant I get to sit in my seat and not hurt my back again for the last hour, so I'm a happy man. You can finally enjoy your food now before it get colder. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I, uh, nah, it's fine. It's absolutely <laughs> fine. Who doesn't love cold bacon? thanks a lot have a good day yeah same with you guys enjoy yourselves thanks for listening please join us again next episode as we explore yet another profession your support is always appreciated so please subscribe to breaking through career podcast and find us on social media also don't forget to check out the resource hub at www.breakingthroughcareers.com where you can find advice for school leavers university students and career changers 
I did then what I knew how to do. Now that I know better, I do better. Maya Angelou. See you next time. time.